This episode is sponsored by 5.11, a company that I've used for well over a decade and continue to use to this day. And 5.11 is offering you guys, the audience of the Behind the Shield podcast, a discount on every purchase you make with them. Before we get to that code, I want to highlight a couple of products that, again, I personally use today. One of the most impressive products they just released is their Rush Backpack 2.0. Now, for many of you, whether you're going to the fire station, the police station, whether you're traveling with your family, whether you're taking training courses, we have to fly, we have to drive, we have to take trains. And I have to say, I own multiple backpacks, many of uh, 5.11's different ones, but as far as a day pack, this one was the most impressive. There are so many different compartments. The way it sits on your back is incredibly comfortable. If you are a concealed carry person, there's also a spot for a weapon. So they've thought of multiple, multiple things that a man or woman would have to do on a daily basis. That is in addition to all of the products that I talk about a lot. Their uniforms fit for men or fit for women in the first responder professions. The footwear that they offer, whether it's the Norris sneaker or the Atlas system that is designed for foot health and therefore knees and back and hips and shoulders and neck. As a civilian, I live in a lot of their clothes as well. Their jeans stretch. You can actually squat down in them. We live in Florida here, so I wear a lot of their shorts, which again, very, very lightweight material. You can get it wet and it will dry almost immediately. And then moving to the fitness and tactical space, I used to have just a regular weight vest. Recently, I switched to a 511 vest and actually bought ballistic plates as well. My thinking was simply, if I'm going to have a vest, why not have one that protects me as well? And that TAC vest is trusted by law enforcement all around the country. So I mentioned they were going to offer you a discount code. So if you go to 511tactical.com and enter the code SHIELD15, S-H-I-E-L-D-1-5, you'll get 15% off not just that one purchase, but every time you visit their store. And if you want to learn more about 5.11, their mission, their products, then listen to episode 338 of the Behind the Shield podcast with the CEO and founder, Francisco Morales. Welcome to episode 546 of Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name is James Gearing, and this week it is my absolute honor to welcome on the show Tyler Gaddy. Now, Tyler is a veteran of the fire service working for two local departments here in Florida, but he also found himself studying and then teaching yoga after some of his own mental health challenges. So we discuss a host of topics from what it's like being a legacy firefighter, i.e. having a father or a mother who was a firefighter before them, chasing that dream role within the fire service, the power of yoga and foundation training in both the mental and physical health of first responders, and so much more. Before we get to that conversation, as I say every week, please just take a moment, go to whichever app you listen to this on, subscribe to the show, leave feedback, and leave a rating. Every five-star rating truly does elevate this podcast, making it easier and easier for others to find. And this is a free library for you, planet Earth. So all I ask in return is that you help share these incredible men and women's stories so I can get them to everyone else who needs to hear them. So with that being said, I introduce to you, Tyler Gaddy. Enjoy. Well, Tyler, I want to start by saying thank you so much for driving up from Orlando and coming to my home to do this recording. No problem. Thanks for having me. 
So you got to meet the brand new addition of a German Shepherd Pepper. Oh, yeah. The first person outside the family that's met her. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for everyone listening, where are you normally based? Where would we normally be finding you? Uh, normally College Park, a little cool neighborhood inside of uh, Orlando. Um, kind of always want to live there and made it happen about two years ago and really dig it out there. Beautiful. Now you came um, as a tangent. You came in a pretty cool looking travel van. Yeah. Some might call it a rape van, but I know it's a travel van. I mean, yeah, got plenty of free candy in there. So, but, uh, <laughs> puppies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All the good stuff. <laughs> so before we even get into your timeline, just to kind of tangent and um, break up the beginning a little bit, mm-hmm. tell me about your passion for travel. Where that came from? Um, it's, it's hard to say. Like, I grew up kind of uh, come from a small town. D-Land, Florida, um, you know, living, we lived on some acres and I mean, we did a little bit of traveling here and there, but never really had that experience. My dad, he was a fireman, worked two or three jobs. So we kind of really didn't get that experience. And as I kind of went off on my own, just really, really enjoyed it. I'd go to new places with friends and um, just kind of want to see it all. There's so much out there. Yeah. Brilliant. All right. Well, you mentioned the land. So let's start at the very beginning then. Mm-hmm. So you were born there. Yeah. I know, I know it really only for the skydiving, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so talk to me about your family dynamic. You mentioned your dad was a firefighter. So, so what other jobs did he do? And then what was your mum doing? And then right. talk to me about the kind of sibling element as well. Yeah, definitely. So my dad, he was a fireman. I mean, growing up, he was my hero. Like fireman, he worked two or three jobs. Like he also worked at Universal as a paramedic and a couple other side jobs. Um, he's actually one of the I mean, one of the, I guess when he worked for someone on one of the like only paramedics, he really took the paramedic side of it to heart. And he, uh, he always kind of inspired me to, he was really, really passionate about it. So something I never got, I'm not a big fan of EMS, but, um, I really appreciate him for it. So I just kind of always looked up for him. He kind of, kind of always embodied who I'd like to be as I'm growing up. But I remember like, cause I never really wanted to be in the fire service, but I remember I was in high school. And my dad always loved his job, loved the fire department. I mean, he eat, eat, eat and breathed it. And I remember one day they were like, raise your hand if you have a parent that loves their job. And I thought nothing of it. Raise up my hand. I look around. I'm the only one with my hand up. So I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. So that's when I joined the Explorers, things like that. Uh, my mom, she was a stay-at-home mom. Uh, probably one of the toughest jobs ever. But so, yeah. Does then, he still work as a medic now, Universal? He doesn't. He retired. He's up in the mountains now, living okay. a good life. Yeah. Gotcha. Because I see some pretty, uh, pretty um, long in the tooth guys working at the Bourne Stunt Show when I worked there. Okay. And uh, you know, I don't know. They don't know who I am. They shouldn't. Yeah. But I don't know if they're just spe- specifically medics or if they're you know, they look like firefighters to me. Yeah. Most. I mean, I think most of them now aren't. But when they started, they were. Like it was pretty cool when I worked at Station Ten, the Cover Universal. We went in the um, health services area and they actually had my dad's name. He was the first, the first shift there. They have his name, like the original roster. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. So I used to live in Tamarind Apartments. Mm-hmm. Does that ring a bell? Oh yeah, right off island. Mm-hmm. So oh, when yeah. I first moved there, so I would run, I forget the names of the roads now, but it was Kirkman, Vineland and mm-hmm. whatever the bottom Major. one was. It was like a four mile Yep. run but yeah when i was training for fire academy so i would pass station 10 all the time and literally count like 60 seconds between the thunderstorms and when you guys get banged out onto the turnpike or yeah know, the freeways mm-hmm. yeah that station it was fun i was there five years so it was a good time brilliant all right well then um you mentioned the explorer program yes. so i am a big fan of mentorship programs and mm-hmm. i think that's a how we 
give back as right. members of the profession and be also even I talk about a lot you know the diversity element yeah. you know if you have programs that reach into areas that maybe are underserved that's how we find the best candidates to come in our profession so talk to me about the explorer program for you definitely um it was a great experience i, I did it with seminole county they don't have it anymore i was very fortunate but um it was a great program i, I went there i was 15 14 15 just kind of get my feet wet but it was the first kind of i'd say the first experience exposure I had to the real world because you're in high school you're always you know with people like you and then I remember my first shift even though I grew up in a firehouse I wasn't actually riding on calls and interacting with them so I remember my first shift walking in it was like whoa so it's kind of cool and there were some people that I remember to this day I actually ended up working with that I mean they really helped guide me so it was pretty cool having people like that that you could look up to um I've always tried to give back I helped out with the teen police fire academy um, I did try helping with the explorers for a little bit, but it just got too much for my schedule. But it's definitely important to have mentorship like that. So what did the normal day as an explorer look like? Um, we met once a week. I think it was a Tuesday night for about two or three hours. We would do PT. Um, there'd be a topic, either be EMS or fire that night. And sometimes crews would come out, things like that. And then once you pass, I think you had to be there a year and then you pass certain checkoffs, then you could actually ride the firehouse on the weekends. And you'd be said it's not going anymore? What's that? They've, they've stopped the program now? Uh, Seminole County they have. We still have it in Orlando. Okay, that's yeah. a shame. Yeah. Kind of a backward step. They've tried bringing it back, but it's just, logistically, it's a lot, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So, But it's funny, cause I was just talking to Cody Gandhi mm-hmm. um, from Echelon Front and he said one of the biggest issues that he's hearing from responders at the moment is recruitment. And right, to yeah. me, that's one of the answers to that too, is you find young, you know, high school age men and women. Definitely. And you mentor them so that you end up with a pool of candidates you can draw from. Yeah. I've always said, like you touched on it, like mentorship is a lot of these kids in these like, like tough areas. No one ever believes in them. No one ever, no one ever tells them that they can, you know, do these things. So it's kind of nice. I actually, it was kind of a heartwarming story. I uh, did the teen police and fire academy two years ago. I was on light duty. And there was a couple kids in there and I told them about the explorers and to check it out. And then I'm on tower six. Now we went there to do a little demo and there was four kids in there and they were all like, you're pretty much why we're in here. And I was like, wow, that was pretty cool. Beautiful. Yeah. Brilliant. So were you doing the explorer? Was that something that you were always planning on doing then in high school? No, I, I actually wanted that bunch of other dreams. And then it was kind of that moment when I, I saw my dad and raised his hand or I raised my hand because my dad loved his job. I'm like, whoa. Not many people like truly love their job. Beautiful. So, but prior to that, what were some of the other things that you were thinking about? Um, I've kind of always wanted to go. I just always want to be in the military. Um, I've kind of, as of now, I've kind of been not obsessed, but I'm always drawn to these high performance people in the special forces community. So kind of, kind of, that was always in the back of my mind, just to kind of test myself. Now, what about sports? What kind of exercise were you doing back then? Um, I did basketball, football. Those are my main ones. I was pretty good at basketball. I, I still play to this day and I um, really enjoyed basketball, football. Those are the two probably stood out. Right. But yeah. at that point, no sort of yoga practice, meditation, oh, no, any no, no. of the, the, hippie, I, the hippie pull? Yeah. I always say like if I'd have met myself or the me that was like six, seven years ago would have met me now would have slapped me in the face. So... <laughs> <laughs> That definitely never came in till. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, then walk me through. So you were doing the Explorer program. How did that transition into becoming a career firefighter? Um, it just 
it just seemed like a natural fit. It's funny because if when I was in the Explorer and I've noticed it in other programs, there's kids that are there that really want to do the job and there's kids that I think are there because their parents are there. And there was me and I kind of bonded with these, there's about four other guys I ended up working with, but it just was like instant. It was kind of that, um, I always was kind of more introverted as a kid. I never had that kind of partnership except for when I played sports and stuff, but I always kind of saw myself kind of as an outcast. So to have this group that I really bonded with, it was awesome and kind of just snowball from there. So it's funny, the number of people I've had on that and Cody just said that, you know, two hours before you got here, the same exact thing. I felt like I was socially awkward. I was an introvert. I yeah. was, you know, whatever the description is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think most of us are. That's the crazy thing. Yeah. Know, yes, there are some true extroverts out there, of course. But right. as I've said in previous podcasts, one of my guests wrote a book on introvert, Introvert's Edge. And he describes it as it's where you draw your power from. You can be fine in a group. Yeah. But for me, for example, I don't mind going to a hall full of people, but you'll just see me dip out at some point because I'm powering up by being on my own, being with my family, being with my son. Mm-hmm. Whereas the extrovert powers up from being around a bunch of people. Yeah. So even the pure, like the simple kind of philosophy of being an introvert, that's, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people like Cody talked about drinking. Like I just, I felt so awkward in a crowd. So I was the happy drunk. I was the, you know, life of the party, but only when I was drinking and it sent him down, you know, some less than productive roads. Yeah. That definitely resonates with me. That's how I've always been. <laughs> <laughs> so your first department was seminal then? Yes. Okay. So mm-hmm. what was, um, well, firstly, what was the academy like? And then what was their orientation like back then? Um, it was pretty tough. I, I thrived on it cause I was, I was 18. I mean, right out of high school, I was in there with most people a lot older. So it was super, I wouldn't say easy, but the physical aspect of it was, I liked it. It was challenging. Um, it was a lot more regiment, more like militant like from what I hear it is now, but, um, I really thrived. I was in there. I remember the majority of people in there were kind of like, you know, kind of figuring out what they wanted to do, but I knew what I wanted to do. So I was in there. No, I didn't go out with anybody on the weekends. I was studying and never failed any tests. Um, but that was my first taste. Cause all I ever knew was seminal, seminal, seminal people I grew up with my dad, but all the t- majority of the teachers in there were from OFD. And I remember looking at those guys and I was like, whoa, there was just something different that kind of was in the back of my head. I was like, I didn't know much about it until I started researching later. But um, yeah, the Academy was awesome. Uh, I made some friends I still have today, which is pretty normal. Um, but yeah. <laughs> and did you go to Central Florida for Academy? No, I went to Seminole. Okay. Seminole gotcha. State. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It makes sense. Yep. Yeah. No, I know... Uh, Walt Lewis is one of my um, instructors and there was some Orange County ones. And it's interesting because some of them, you become a firefighter and you're like, yeah, they absolutely were badasses. And some you work with and you're like, huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then that was the academy. So what was your kind of your, you know, a legacy, you know, which can be perceived as a good or a bad thing. So what was your kind of probation like in Seminole having a, a dad that already worked there? Um, it's funny cause you mentioned Danny earlier. We, I remember we started, we came in, I was young. I didn't really know anything. And I came in, I sit down and I think, I forget what happened, but it bumped out that I actually bumped somebody out. So I kind of had a target on my back already. And my dad told me this. And then I remember Danny McLaughlin, he had a bunch of buddies that worked for Seminole. I sat down and he's like, Oh, you're chief Gaddy's son. He's like, can't wait to see how you do. And I'm like, damn, right from the get go. And ended up, I ended up living with him for a year and we became friends, but um, I always had that target on my back. I remember my, I got 
stationed at one of the toughest, one of the toughest crews in the city. And I think my dad kind of, he never said he did, but I think to this day kind of put me there to challenge me, see how I either sink or swim. And they were relentless, man. But to this day, I thank them because um, they really tested me. And I almost thought about leaving a couple times and just kind of pressed through. And then one day I just clicked and everything just kind of came natural. And um, like I said, I can't thank them enough because they definitely tested me, put me through it. But then after that, just kind of, I got really interested in special teams. So went that route, got all my classes done, ended up getting on the tower pretty early there. And I was very fortunate. I had definitely some career calls that I don't think I'll ever have again. So it's very fortunate. Tell me about them. Um, so one of the calls we actually got the, the medal of gallantry there. It was, I mean, it's crazy. Like your whole career, most people don't go without getting, without getting grabs when they pull somebody out of a fire. And I was so ate up with the fire service. Then it was, I, you know, I was just everything I did, eat, sleep and breathed it. And, uh, I remember this one day I was driving, um, I was riding backwards tower 27 and I wasn't actually supposed to be there, which it all worked out, but came in three people in a um, shotgun shack home and got off the truck and like, I didn't even have my hood. Like, I don't know where it went, but just, it just clicked and they were screaming. There's people in there. And I remember the tick said something like 900 degrees at the door. And I was just like, well, this is my career call. So we went in and it was something like out of a movie, pulled one person out went back in and it was a hoarder house. So I remember I tried throwing a bicycle through the window to kind of vent it, but it didn't work. It bounced right back off me. <laughs> kind of made me feel stupid. So shit house with gray windows. <laughs> yeah. So then, and then the second lady, she was over 300 pounds. So getting her out was, it was definitely an effort and got her out. And then it was the first time in my career where I was just like, wow, this shit is for real. Like I've had some good calls here and there, but like to see everybody, we'd bring them out. People just do an EMS right away. Um, then the last guy I went to grab, just, I remember to this day, like grabbing him by his arms and just his skin came off and I was just like, whew, got him out and then went back in there. There was one guy left in there on a two and a half by himself, just working. And I went back in there, backed him up. And then, um, this is where I like, you know, kind of with the yoga and things, but I remember got back to the house, took a shower, got off that next day. And what do we do? go to the bar drinking mm-hmm. so after a grab like that <laughs> yeah and yeah. it was like i just felt like king shit for a while and but you, we never really processed it like just drinking partying and that was it now on the actual operation itself first so 300 pounds you know it's great when we're in the academy and we're in a little concrete yeah. tower it's like all right get out your webbing and we're gonna make this loop and wrap it under their arms and yeah. the reality is when most people go down you just grab what you can you oh, pull yeah. as hard as you can especially in the florida house i mean they're not it's not a long distance you're going to be dragging yeah it was what did you guys use to get a 300 pound dead weight out of a hoarder house it was there was every there was probably three trucks in there and there was Tower 27, Engine 27, and I think Engine 23, I can't remember, but it took all of us. I mean, it was, everybody had a part, and it was, it wasn't pretty, but it got them out. Luckily, we didn't have far to go. I couldn't imagine if it was stairs out a window or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what about survivability? Did any of them make it? Two of them made it. I think the longest made it two weeks, but none of them ended up making it. But, but the scared thing, I mean... It was a it was a long response time for us. It was upwards of five minutes. So, and was that for staffing or just based on distance? Uh, based on dis- distance. I think there's a new station there now. May have been because of that. I don't know. But yeah, um, yeah. And how long was this into your career? 
this was about the four, three, four year mark. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty early to, to and it was, I was, I was young and like kind of just, uh, have that moment. It was just like, Whoa, like I didn't think I'd ever have something like that. Mm -hmm. So you said, um, career calls, plural. Are there any others before we shift over to OFD? Um, no, there's a bunch of good extrications out there on, uh, Aloma. Um, but yeah, that's probably about it. Yeah, That'd be I mean, the one. Yeah. I mean, I'd say I'd never had a, a grab and we had, we had one that was pulled out right before I got there and, you know, skin sloughing and everything. Um, I mean, did we pull them out? I forget. And I'm, <laughs> I did a right hand search on a house and then we were literally going to the final room and the host um, team like tripped over her. Mm -hmm. Like, shit, really? We, we just yeah. searched this whole house <laughs> and you get to walk out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, I never actually left a building, you know, with, with mm -hmm. someone in hand, certainly not anyone that made it, but yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well then you ended up shifting to a different department correct as i did multiple mm -hmm. times so what was the the thought process prior and then why did you choose that department that you chose um prior it was there's three things it's kind of the first one was a no-brainer the money at the time seminole county i was making 12 bucks an hour as a five-year fireman and i mean granted all the order-ins too i mean the order-ins made up for it but it's you don't want to be working and then I remember just going to work every day. And I mean, firemen complain no matter what, but every day was just pay, pay, pay. So I'm like, well, these guys 10 miles down the road are making almost double my salary. That's one of the reasons too was back then there was always that pride. Like Orlando was like, I know a lot of people talk shit, but it was at the time very aggressive department. Um, talking to a lot of guys, I had a lot of buddies there and they were like, you need to come over, you fit in well, um, that. And then just... The operations i was i've always been into truck work and seminal i was a truck guy and now i'm a truck guy again and seminal just really wasn't respected and ofd it was like truck is everything so there was always that allure right well then talk to me about the testing because i tested with ofd once and it was right at the end of my career mm -hmm. um i can say you know that i definitely did not excel in the ems portion i couldn't sink the tube and i just was just having right. a shitty day yeah um so i'd never i didn't get picked and it was probably a good thing because it was right when i was about to transition out anyway regardless it was a very challenging test i loved yeah. the physical like the mm -hmm. fire ground applications right it was it was amazing with the search and the ladder throws and everything um so what was that like for you and then walk me through being you know a five-year guy come to ofd yeah i actually failed the first time but i didn't they, you always hear that or I, I didn't take it that serious but i really didn't i just kind of threw my hat but then the second go around i was like all right this is what i want and i just applied myself like i remember for a year i was studying the ifsta book and the ems book and it's boring stuff but every day i was reading 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 um i was in pretty good shape then so that aspect wasn't really an issue but yeah the testing i thoroughly enjoyed it the written test was tough that narrowed it down and then the physical part um it was awesome because that's the stuff i've always loved and it was really challenging i remember i came out of there out of breath and um didn't know how i did but i passed so brilliant so you were legacy in Seminole. yep not such a stigma or you know a cloud over your head this time so yeah again walk me through probation in orlando yeah i was super excited about it because i left it's funny when i left seminal or when i started seminal i had a target on my back and i left and a lot of people like my dad probably won't listen to this but they like me better than my dad so 
It was kind of cool. And uh, <laughs> I'll make sure he does now. <laughs> yeah, he might. But uh, then I come to Orlando and it's like, all right, let me. Uh, I mean, people still knew me. A lot of people knew my dad, but it was it wasn't as bad as it was in Seminole. But I really thrived. I mean, I remember the firehouse, like when I started at 10. I mean, that was such a unique crew. It was, I mean, it was perfect for me. I've always been a pretty intense person. So it was, I mean, that house, it never stops and the guys never stop. And um, I just, they always say in Orlando, they kind of put you where you go based on your personality. I never believed it until I went there and I'm like, okay, I can see that. And uh, yeah, I fit, fit in really well. I mean, probation was easy because I already knew what to do and just kind of excelled. Brilliant. Now, um, were you guys doing transport at that point? Were we you were. There? You were? Okay. Yeah. So I remember the very first rescue that came to RMC. Mm-hmm. I had a couple of friends that left Orange County because they were like, fuck transport, I'm not <laughs> transporting anymore. And then like six months later, they were driving back onto yeah. <laughs> the hospital apron. Yeah. I heard that happened to a lot of people. So Yeah. So, um, well, well, talk to me about that for a second. Um, so you want to be on a truck company in Orange County. I yeah. mean, you can get stuck on a rescue for years and years yeah. and years. What's it like at Orlando now? So it depends on different shifts. Unfortunately and unfortunately, I was on a shift, which seems like back then it's kind of not as bad now, but where they stacked most of the type A go-getter people. And it seems like everybody on a shift has their classes. Everybody wants to be on a truck. And I think that's what kind of led me down like kind of the path I went because I wasn't as happy because in Seminole I was, you know, driving a tower truck freaking 20 years old with my best friend. And here I am now that my first day they say, don't even look at it. And like, I'm like, I can set that truck up. I can do everything on there. But, and then it also, sometimes you got to play the game and I don't, I don't agree with that. So I kind of, I'm fortunate now and I look back, I can look at myself in the mirror. I earned it my way. It took me longer took me about five years, five, six years, but eventually got there. So, Brilliant. Well, you, you touched on, um, you know, a path that you find yourself going down. And I think when some of us are chasing whatever it is, a goal, yeah. and you get there, right. sometimes it's not as fulfilling as you think it would be. And the yeah. job, obviously, you know, you and I both love the job. Yeah. But yeah, you it's very easy to hit a ceiling in the fire service. Like, you know, you're a paramedic, you pretty much have maxed out. Now, I'm not talking about experience, yeah. but as far as like rungs on the ladder, you kind of, you're there. And the same as, you know, like I was on a truck company in, in Anaheim and I love truck work. And again, we kind of, we kind of there. I've got a lot of my special ops classes and it's like, well, now what? You can't make the calls happen, yeah. which is the big thing. So right. talk to me about that. You, you kind of working with your best friend, great crew in Seminole, you achieving now in Orlando, where did you find yourself going mentally? Um, that's when I, it's funny talking about it. That's about the time when I say the floor dropped out underneath me. And I always tell people there's kind of this time in my life I look at. There's before that time and there's after that. Um, looking back on it now, I'm fortunate it happened. But at the time, hell no. But um, it was pretty dark time. Like I thought about going back. I'm like, well, why can't I be happy? Like I think it was, was it Jim Carrey said? I wish everybody could be rich and famous to see that it's not all it is. Um, even though I'm a fireman, it's not not rich and famous. But I treat I achieved everything <laughs> <Far> from it. <laughs> yeah, I achieved everything I was uh, after, and it wasn't wasn't doing it for me. Like I still would go by my old firehouse, see those guys, and they're like, "When are you coming back?" Like, and my best friend to this day, like I was on that crew with um, 
kind of bothered me because we definitely drifted apart after that. I mean, we got on different schedules, things. It just naturally happens. But um, just seeing, just seemed like a lot shifted in my life. But I think, you know, you can always find meaning in those difficult times. And I think that it was necessary for my growth. So where was the the darkest place that you found yourself then? Ooh, um, it was just... Like I said, I could, some days I could not even leave the house. Like I, there's like, we were talking earlier, can't believe it, but I haven't told many people this, that it was just miserable, like leaving the house, couldn't leave the house. If I did, it was just on edge. Um, no, I didn't enjoy anything. Like I lived downtown at the time and I was pretty social with my friends and they all noticed that I wasn't me and I secluded and, uh, yeah, just no joy. I mean, it wasn't like suicidal or anything like that but it was just really dark it wasn't me yeah so you know we're going to talk about yoga and foundation training some other things that you found yourself doing um from that point where you just were in the well as it were what was there an aha moment that started you the right way were there any roads that you went down that actually made it worse before you got better um no, not really. I mean, worse was I remember going to the doctor and then they're just like, yeah, just get over it. And then here's these antidepressants. And I'm like, I started taking them and then I'm like, I started doing research and I'm like, it's kind of like a crapshoot. They don't really know what they're doing. And one doctor asked me what I want to take. I'm like, it's not how this works. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. You pulled out a briefcase and yeah. just take one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then I just kind of, I remember reading, I forget what book it was, but I read and it just, it really clicked with me. And I'm like, I really have to take control of my own health and that was kind of the moment the ha moment and combined with the yoga and things like that and like i said it's it was no quick fix it was a long journey but it definitely gave me that hope that i have more control than i thought i did right well you talked about your six year ago self slapping you in the face so yeah and for everyone listening yes there's my dog bark in the background because <laughs> the puppy is in the back now so yeah. you hear a <laughs> shepherd in the background i apologize um, so how did you find yoga and then talk to me about that path? So, yeah, I just remember, um, for some reason, just something, I don't know if it's people, whatever you believe in just kind of called to me. It was just like, Hey, you need to check this out. And yoga, people in yoga always seemed, like I said, back then riding motorcycles, punk rock, like I used to laugh at people doing yoga. And for some reason it was like, let me go check this studio out. And I remember going in and of course it was nothing but beautiful women. I'm like, well, that's not, that's not so bad. And, uh, but it was just kind of, I always say like foo-foo was kind of from the start. It wasn't like perfect. Like I definitely had to keep digging a little more. Okay. So talk to me. I mean, walk me through it. So you walk into one, it's a little woo-woo, a little too much spandex maybe. Yeah. A little spandex. And, um, I remember I tell people, cause it, I always tell people my mission with yoga is to make it more attainable for people like us. And, more, I guess, I wouldn't say masculine, but more, yeah, just that you could practice. More people could practice that aren't so woo-woo. But I remember sitting there and there Shavasana at the end where you kind of just let everything go and relax. I remember the girl was like, imagine yourself a cloud floating through the sky. And I'm like, I'm not a fucking cloud. Is it a black cloud? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you got a full alarm coming? <laughs> yeah, I'm not a cloud. Like, I'm a person. And yeah, so I remember that. And I really enjoyed the physical aspect of it. I, again, yoga is not supposed to be um, competitive or anything, but I always, whether you like it or not, there's other people in the class and you sometimes get a little competitive. 
um, seeing if you can do these different postures and things like that. So that aspect of it, I enjoyed. But when I started, it was purely physical, just kind of give me something to do. But as I transgressed through it, there's so many different aspects of it from the breath work to the mindfulness to the way of being. I was like, damn, there's something to this. Now with the mindfulness, I, I did a video a few weeks ago after I was in a bit of a slump to say the least. Yeah. And the meditation, no matter how shitty I felt every day, yeah, was undoubtedly one of the key elements of not only kind of calming down my monkey mind, but actually stopping me reaching for a drink to yeah. unwind in the evening. And again, I would say this all the time, not binge drinking, but it doesn't yeah. matter. Still a large amount of drinks in a row yeah. over, you know, days and days and days. Um, so talk to me about the, the mindfulness element of your yoga practice mm-hmm. and the effect of that on your depression. Yeah. Um, it's totally, I say, save my life, change my life. Um, people, everybody that knows me knows it a hundred percent. And it's just like you said, I have developed a practice where usually every morning I'd say about 90, 90% of the, the year I have a dedicated practice where I, you know, give myself this time for myself, kind of get everything out of the way in the morning. And I can tell on the days I don't do it and the days I do, it just sets me up for success. But, um, the mindfulness aspect of it is just, I feel myself, I have more control. Like I have these bad moments and with mindfulness, it's like, okay, they're here. Let them be, let them do their thing. And that was the hardest aspect for somebody like me. I was always type A. I got to control everything. Now it's just, it's here. I let it do its thing and just move on. And it's, it's been amazing. Now, what did you notice about early on? Like for me, I realized how hard it was to sit still, how hard it was yeah. to try and not even think of nothing because that's the wrong description, but try right. and be present. Try yeah. not to think about the past or the future. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's why I tell people, like everybody that I teach and they come up to me, new people, they're like, but I, I can't meditate. And I'm like, that's what everybody says. Like I was the same way. Like I still to this day have a million thoughts. It's not about sitting there still. Like a, I say monks have it easy sitting in a cave. Like, they got nothing to worry about. But with us, it's, you always have things going on in your mind. So the real meditation mindfulness is letting those things be. And it's okay. Like they're going to be there. I always say, it's like, imagine yourself as like a, like sitting on a bench and you have on by the highway and cars are just going by. You're sitting there just watching them go by. That's fine. But it's when you jump out after them is when you get hit. So just kind of letting them be and observing Absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've said this a couple of times on interviews already, but the analogy that kind of popped in my head was the bingo machines where the ping pong balls are floating around like, and the meditation turns off the fan. Yeah. They're still in there. All your worries are still there, but they're not bouncing around your head Damn, you know, like a thousand that. times a day. Hmm. Right on. <laughs> we'll have to use that. All right. So then with the physical side, yeah. again, you know, you're a firefighter for X amount of years. We all start mm-hmm. getting a little sore. Yeah. Um, what did you notice about the mobility element of the yoga practice? So this is probably the thing that sticks out the most to me, my back, my knees, everything was always hurting. Like I remember being 25 years old and I'm like, I shouldn't be in this much pain. And now like I used to have those aches and pains, but I'm pretty much pain free. Like I feel amazing. I can reach down touch the ground. I used to not be able to touch my shins and, uh, yeah, the physical side of it has been amazing. And that's probably where I see the most 
because it's funny in the fire service, it's slowly changing. When I first started out there, like teaching yoga and stuff, people always made fun of me. But now those same guys are after shift, like, hey, do you mind if we go do some yoga? And I'm like, yeah. And then I had some guy the other day, this this is when I really feel like, all right, I'm doing this is some old salty guys like, hey man, I've been doing yoga for a month now and I feel amazing. And I'm like, that's what I love to hear. Now, speaking of that, when I hurt my back and it sent me on my foundation training journey, um, one of the initial kind of, not deals, but I guess packages that I negotiated with them is I went and became certified and then they gave a bunch of material to my last department. Oh, awesome. And unbeknownst to me, I might have just went and rolled it out and gave everyone that attended um, you know, foundation training clinic and Sweet. where to find the uh, the practice they could practice from. And again, like you said, one of our much older firefighters, I don't know if he's retired now or not, but he was on his way out, had always had issues with his back and his knees. Yeah. And he told me one day, he's like, it's amazing. So I've been doing it diligently and my pain is gone. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, the only way to find out if it's going to work is to just do it, you know, yeah. and, and develop that practice. And conversely, there was a very young firefighter we had who said it was stupid it was shit it makes his abs hurt yeah i'm like well if your abs are hurting that means something's really not going well <laughs> right right and then he ended up pulling his back like a month later so i'm like well there you go so yeah you probably should have done it every day yeah and it was hurting because you're all fucked up <laughs> yeah <laughs> he needs to put the work in <laughs> yeah. so what about, um so so kind of transitioning to that you're already doing the yoga talk to me about discovering foundation training um yeah, foundation was kind of um, just through the guys I work with. Like Jesse Salas used to work for us. I know you've had him on here. Freaking, he's been such an inspiration to me. Like great guy. Like just the person. I've known him and his brother a while. And I always, always kind of looked up to them. They were um, a little bit older than me. And they made that they went from Seminole as well to Orlando and kind of, you know, looking up to them. And then everyone I kind of hung out with, like uh, Daniel Wade, Asher, Blumenthal, like just kind of vibe with them and we've done so i'm not certified through foundation but i'm certified through yoga so we've kind of worked together and we've done events where it's like half yoga half foundation and i really see like i see more of that in the future i think there's something there that we have to put together but i think it would benefit a lot of people right well with that i'm i'm in my mind thinking of several of the photos you have of you guys putting the recruits through yoga and or foundation Mm -hmm. training so talk to me about what that looks like you've got a bunch of brand new firefighters you know what are they doing over those weeks yeah so i'm I'm really proud of our um training program now for new hires coming on to orlando they're doing amazing things so they break it up into different sections you have the mobility strength conditioning things like that the mobility is all foundation and yoga usually it's one day yoga one day foundation and who's ever specialized and kind of takes over that day but the feedback we've been getting is amazing like I think they did a, um, at the end of every uh, orientation, they send out like um, papers and stuff and ask everybody what they could, how we could improve, what they want to do more of. And I think it was a group of like 34 we had, 32 of them said more yoga. So I was like, that's pretty awesome. And those same guys, like I see them at all the stations all the time. Some of them come to my classes. They're just, they're loving it. Like it's cool to see people coming in now like that's how they start with so they'll carry on with it hopefully yeah when you say classes is that something you do through the department or is it outside oh uh, yes through the department part of their uh so they have their orientation usually i think now our orientation is about six weeks so 
in the mornings they'll meet for PT and whatever day it is, if they have a more physical day, then they'll usually be doing mobility like yoga or foundation. Okay. Now what yeah. about the strength component? What does that look like? Um, I can't really say cause I haven't dealt with it too much, but they have everybody that leads it is certified in their respected program. So who's ever heading it up some kind of strength training, I think, um, yeah, I, I wish I could tell you more. All right. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, you touched on breath work as well. As yeah. we said before I started recording, um, I just had Wim Hof on. Yeah. So talk to me about what you found um, as far as your kind of uh, immersion in that and how it's helped you. And then again, how, how you are passing that on now. Yeah. This is the field that has completely blown me away. Like I never thought yoga would lead me here, but Wim Hof is actually where I've kind of got my feet wet per se and the ice baths and everything. But um, just started diving into that. I'm like just fascinated. Like I'm always fascinated by the human body, but it's so cool. Like with our breath, like when you think about it, you can go days without food, weeks without water, mix that around weeks without food, days without water, but you stop breathing and you're done. Like it's so important to us. And it's always amazed me that we can change our states just through breathing. So um, really started playing with that. I actually became through COVID, like when the pandemic first hit, I was like, what can I do? I became a breath coach. And a lot of the things I learned in there just completely blew my mind away. And um, yeah, I just think it's so neat that we have this tool with us at all times that can, if you want to get more energy, we can breathe a certain way. If you want to relax, you breathe a certain way. You want to go to sleep, breathe a certain way. It's, it's really neat. Now, with the breath practice, when I started getting people like Brian McKenzie on and Alyssa Vranich, yeah, um, you know, I, we started having these conversations. I'm like, it never really struck me that we're one of the only professions on the planet yeah. that the only air we have access to is strapped to our back, yeah. and yet we hardly ever talk about breath apart yeah. from skip breathing, which is basically yep. used for what you know, mayday ultimately. Yeah. yeah. So when you got into the breath work side, did you notice? on the fire ground that you were improving as well? Yeah, I'm glad you asked this. I meant to say this, but I remember um, we were doing a um, air consumption drill a couple months ago and I'm not in the best shape. Some of the guys there, like you can clearly tell these guys are like phenomenal shape, but we did a practicing gear and I was able to outlast everyone except for one other guy and he's just an animal. And I remember afterwards, they're like, how'd you, how do you do that? Like, we know you're, we're in better shape than you. I was like, it's all breathing. Like it's all the way I was breathing. Like you can extend your practice. Um, like even taking it to like, I've taught guys like in mayday scenarios, like how to just basically breathe two, three times a minute. Like you can get more out of a bottle. So what does your breathing practice look like then to develop that? Um, so to develop that, so just a simple, like, I don't know if you've heard from any of those people you have on, I always say like, on your inhale is like this, like the gas in a car it activates that sympathetic. Your exhale is like the brake activates the parasympathetic rest and digest. So if you want to get more amped up, focus more on your inhales. And that's more like your Wim Hof. The <sighs> if you want to relax, elongate that exhale. So like in that scenario, it would be taking, um, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, Andrew Huberman. Um, so he's supposed to be coming on the podcast. Really? Yeah, I got a yes, and then I've got a whole bunch of um, you know, just uh, likes yeah. on my comments, but not actually any yeah. uh, any response yet. So okay, um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. Though, I'm sure he's really kind of 
peaking at the moment with as far as exposure yeah but yeah i think his work is invaluable and it would be amazing to get him on oh yeah i I was about to say but yeah i geek out over his stuff but he's at he talked about recently it was called the physiological sigh i really like this kind of reminds me of skip breathing but he's like if you notice how we always sigh after a big event just a and that's actually your body's way of resetting and relaxing so he talks about the physiological sigh which is two big inhales to the longest exhale you can do so it'd be something like and it's actually acts as a reset so i thought that was pretty cool so i've been using that quite a bit like if you watch people during the day like if you're really stressed out you'll naturally sigh so you can mimic that by this little trick yeah i even find if i drink too much coffee i find yeah. myself you know sighing basically yeah which is uh yeah my sympathetic probably a little too jacked up mm-hmm. yeah but that's a quick way just to shift over into that parasympathetic state so you have the breath work, you have the actual mobility work of the yoga, you have the mindful practice going back to that dark place. Yeah. Walk me through that journey out, like what you were seeing within yourself changing. Um, definitely just the way I saw things and everyone that knows me says my, I used to fly off the, I, I was the nicest person, but then I would flip a switch and just lose it. And I, I was always a, you know, growing up with the punk rock scene, I was always getting into fights, like got my teeth knocked out at a concert and just that wild, crazy person. And like after the yoga, I can't remember the last time I've gotten into any kind of altercations like that. Um, pretty easy going. So definitely that's the biggest thing I've noticed. So with the, um, the yoga work and, and the fire service, like, and you said talking about meshing it with with foundation training. Yeah. What are you hoping that fire services or you know first responders? I mean, obviously it's for for people in general, but yeah. our professions. What are you hoping that that we'll be able to do with that particular practice as we move forward? Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely make it more of a not a standard, but more more attainable. Like I've I've mentioned in just volunteering to like go around at the stations and do yoga practices, and they're like, no just making it more attainable, more resources per se. Um, it's kind of hard because not every department has a yoga instructor, but making more services available, things like that. And what are yeah. you seeing as far as resistance to it? Um, just like I said, the, they say like the foo-foo. They, a lot of people call me the foo-foo, the weird guy that does yoga. And, um, but it's, it's crazy that just this past year, how that's kind of faded away. Like, people are really starting to dig it and it's really making me happy. It kind of got me down at first. I was like super excited, like going through my teacher training. It was super intensive. Like it really tested me, especially on shift and stuff. And then I got, I get done. I'm like, yeah, I'm a yoga instructor. And then it was kind of like, so like the people I care about really didn't care, but now they're all, they're really coming around and it's, it's really making me like a lot happier. And what's changed you think? I think people, I guess seeing how I am, um, I think the culture, a lot of emphasis has been put on mental health, trying new things, avenues like that. I think that's may have something to do with it. And I think a lot of the old timers are kind of going away, retiring, things like that. So that could be it. Have you managed to get your dad into yoga? Nope. (laughs) He's, he won't do it. He was a runner and I told him, man, you need some yoga. But he, I, he's still old school. I don't know. Right. Yeah. And which organizations do you go through to get the cert? 
Um, I went through my studio was project seven yoga and, um, in order to get a cert, it has to be through the yoga Alliance, things like that. Um, I kind of jumped into it. Like I was doing yoga and I was like, I could be a yoga instructor. Like I didn't think there was anything to it, but it was 200 hours. It was every weekend for about five months and it worked for other people that work normal jobs. But for me, I was coming from station 10, no sleep coming in, doing eight hour days of yoga all this stuff. But I can, I tell people like, I know this stuff is amazing because I would come from maybe getting an hour or two of sleep and I'd be dead tired. Like didn't want to do anything, but I go and do this yoga practice. And it was like, I felt amazing, like energy. So there's some, some to it. Now, did you ever, um, have any contact with, uh, Livia from yoga for, for yoga for first responders? Yes. I reached out to her a long time ago, like I think when I was in my teacher training and she kind of, I know she's really busy, but she kind of just, I guess they do training. She was like, just contact us about our training. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I appreciate her work. Like I kind of, I don't want to steal what she's doing, but I would like to do something like that. Yeah. Like I think it would be very beneficial because one, she's, like I said, I love what she's doing, but she isn't a firefighter. So I am able to, I think, connect more. Who knows? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that's just it. It's like with podcasts, you know, people call me and like, oh, I'm thinking of starting one. Yeah. You know, I don't want to step on your toes. I'm like, there's enough toes for everyone. Step yeah. away. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, we're all part of a mosaic trying to make things better. Right. Yeah. You know, if you're stealing someone's stuff and saying it's your own, that's different. But, you know, yeah. So, and I know Olivia, initially, I think she was doing a lot on her own. So it's probably what it was. She was just trying to, yeah. you know. If 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 people were were all in, then I'm sure she had more time. But Definitely. she probably gets a lot of inquiries. I would assume. Yeah, same with you. So yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Well, I want to transition to some closing questions. So yeah. the first one I love to ask is: there a book or other books that you love to recommend? It can be related to our discussion today or completely unrelated. Um, let me see. I wrote right here a book. Ooh, um, yeah, a book is. I really liked, I read it a little while ago. Um, it was how to do the work by, uh, Nicola Perra. I think she's on Instagram as the holistic psychologist, but it's pretty good. It kind of puts you on that path of, like I said, when I found out that you can kind of heal on your own, kind of puts everything into perspective that way, kind of a path you can take. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, same question, movie and or documentary. Oh, um, it's kind of funny. I watched it last night, actually. It's called A Man Named Scott about Kid Cudi. And I always appreciate his music because when I remember I listened to him the first time I was 18 or 19, he was talking about feelings and emotions and things that were so foreign to me and still is difficult as I'm learning and unpacking these things. But yeah, he talks about all that stuff, all his struggles. I always appreciate people that, you know, are able to use their darkness to better themselves and he talks a lot about that and it was pretty cool beautiful I haven't heard of that one I have to watch that thank you yeah alright next question is there a person you'd recommend to come on this podcast as a guest to speak to the first responders military and associated professions of the world yeah well I was going to say Andrew Huberman and it seems like you're already working on that <laughs> so yeah his work is phenomenal like I was on the way here I was listening to the podcast and um, all the stuff he's doing is just crazy brilliant yeah brilliant yeah watch the space i hope so i've got a mutual friend as well he's very close with who's been on the show so sweet i'll have to kind of reach out to him again yeah 
All right. Then the last question before we make sure everyone knows where to find you mm-hmm. and your studio. What yeah. do you do to decompress? Which is a funny question to a yoga instructor. <laughs> um, to decompress is outside of the yoga. Definitely the yoga practice I have. Um, I've started kind of would like to mention this too i've started in orlando a men's circle like it's something that's kind of intrigued me these past couple of years is you know as guys a lot of times we don't have these outlets like we're taught man up from a young age and i was taught that like never taught how to deal with these things so me and some other guys a lot of them are firemen actually um started this men's circle that you know it's guys we come together we usually meet up somewhere and it's all like-minded people so we all kind of share what we're working on things like that and then kind of just give a space to just talk about what's going on in your life so that's definitely helped a lot um yeah something i'm learning as i get older like we were talking about the whole introvert thing just connections with people like it's so important like it's something i've definitely honed in on this last year my connections with family friends like it's very much needed so i'm seeing that sprout up a lot the the men's group yeah um so what when you talk to all these men what seems to be lacking in general conversation that is spawning these men's group? Um, you mean what's lacking? From- what, what's missing? Because obviously the men, the men's group seems to be filling some sort of void. Yeah. So what are some of the kind of resounding themes that you guys are able to discuss? Yeah. In you know that group that maybe people aren't feeling comfortable in regular society. Um, it's definitely like I touched on with that documentary. Like it's something guys in general, I mean, it's society as a whole, but guys in general are never taught. Like you have these feelings, these emotions. And like I said, I was always, you know, the tough guy, like don't worry about it. Like go drink, freaking get in a fight. But we have these things that go on and, but we don't feel comfortable talking about them. And you don't really have anybody to talk to about them. So I think that's mostly what's missing. And also like, I'd say like now, nowadays, um, it's kind of like villainized to be a man. Like it's okay to be tough, like do these things that men like, like I think that's missing a lot too. Well, the, the phrase toxic masculinity, which, you know, spawns, I think a lot of, in my opinion, misunderstanding of, of, of what I think is actually toxic, but I'm even, I've, I've been accused of toxic positivity, yeah. which is fucking insane, but <laughs> we'll leave that there. But the toxic masculinity, I, in my, my, uh, kind of interpretation is the, the kind of facade of masculinity. Yeah. Is a lot of us were raised in that boys don't cry, rub some dirt in it because that's not masculinity. Yeah. And as I point to all the time, Band of Brothers, you l- listen to the real men of yeah. Easy Company. They are choked up pretty much every time they're talking, re- yeah. you know, reliving some of the stuff and thinking about people they've lost. That is masculinity. Yes. So to me, the discussion shouldn't be toxic masculinity. It's like re- not even redefining, like undoing this facade and redefining men as, you know, and women as strong and you and i have to get in that flow state sometime we can't be in tears in the middle of a structure fire you know oh yeah but being that kind compassionate soul that brought us into the fire service towards others whether it's after the fire on a medical call but also towards ourselves yeah you know and that's the big issue is it's we start to buy into this bullshit and that's where you end up stuffing feelings and the next thing we're reading about yet another responder that took their own life exactly yeah, there's another book I 
probably should have mentioned it. Um, you probably heard it. The Way of Superior Man. Great book. What's it called? Uh, the Way of the Superior Man. The Way of the Superior but Man. But the, the name kind of sounds off-putting, but it's a great book. It talks about, you know, owning up to your masculinity and then also femininity. Like, it's it's for girls and guys as well. But that book has been phenomenal. Beautiful. And yeah. then, well, I touched on the very beginning, but let's, let's talk about that as well. So, talk to me about traveling as far as another healing element because from what i've seen and you know within myself with other people nature definitely seems to be part of that healing process and yeah. why wouldn't it be as yeah. what we're designed to do as species so yeah. how has that factored into the last few years in your own personal growth it's i mean it's been everything for me like i have to spend every day somewhat innate the first thing i do when i walk outside is put my feet in the grass and look at this like the light just be in nature um one of my favorite things to do, my dad would do a lot of hiking. Um, I try to be in nature as possible. Like I believe you see a lot of those too. It's something I would like to do eventually, like a men's retreat, like go camping. Like a lot of guys have never been seen that or have been able to be a part of that, like building a fire, getting your hands dirty, things like that. Um, it's, it's just so healing. Like I said, I always feel my best when I'm either in the mountains or on the beach. Um, anytime I'm kind of overwhelmed, I'll just go to a park, set up my hammock and just, all right, kind of that reset. Now, another thing that there's been a theme more, I mean, more so, especially when people are really struggle mentally, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't touch on. I kind of got it a little bit backwards, but while we're there, um, is an element of childhood trauma. Yeah. So you talked about being into punk, being angry, yeah. you know, having that switch. When you look back now in this grounded place that you find yourself today, are there any, any elements of a childhood that you would maybe contribute to to the compounding weight that you found yourself under? Yeah. I mean, 100%. That book I mentioned, How to Do the Work, it's kind of led me to where I'm at now. I'm in this phase of my life where I'm kind of peeling back everything. And I'm like, oh, childhood is pretty much the reason why I do everything I do. Like, it was definitely like, you know, I went through, my parents went through a pretty nasty divorce right in those developmental stages. And that definitely messed me up. Um, but I'm kind of at the point now of working with that and accepting it. Um, just being alone. Um, I was kind of alone a lot. So that aspect of it, just a lot of anger, like, like I was always taught to just deal with it. Like children were to be seen or be seen and not heard. Seen, not heard. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of Victorian always, mentality. Yeah. And just kind of never had my own voice per se. Like you hear that a lot nowadays, but it's pretty true. Um, so yeah, that definitely had a lot, a lot of angst, a lot of anger. Now, another thing that I see we use as a coping mechanism is working. Yeah. You mentioned that your dad worked yeah. full time as a firefighter and two extra jobs. Yeah. So two part question. Firstly, has he ever opened up about any struggles he had? No, he's always, he's, that's kind of like, I talked about looking at my dad as a hero, things like these, things like that. But I look back now and I'm like, I know he's working a lot to provide, but he really wasn't there. And that kind of definitely affected, I mean, it definitely affected me, but no, I really haven't talked to him. I've thought about talking to him, but, um, I know when my mom and him were going through their divorce, he opened up a little bit about how much that was bothering him. And I ended up working with his crew when I came on Seminole and they, talked about how broken he was and things like that so um it would be a good conversation that yeah i might have to make happen yeah absolutely because yeah. i mean i see that a lot and it's, it's definitely the elephant in the room is is overtime 
yeah. just working. So yeah. you don't have to think about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing though, it's interesting seeing, you know, two generations of firefighters, the ripple effect of all that work, right. all that time away and the impact it had on you. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. That's why I was kind of glad I got away from, I mean, now I don't have to work as much. So now I can focus on the other healing elements and things like that. So it's kind of good. Like I can, I can see both sides working where in Seminole I had to work overtime or else I wouldn't survive to now I can focus on other things and it's, it's definitely good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, one of the other things I don't talk about that much because I focus on the work week so much, but you know, of course pay is a huge thing, yeah. you know, and no firefighter, cop, prison guard, anyone who's out there risking their lives for strangers and staying up all night mm-hmm. should have to work a second job or no. overtime just yeah. to make ends meet. It's ridiculous. Yeah. That's the thing that just saddens me is we're literally destroying ourselves like when i was younger i didn't think nothing of it but now it's like really just killing our bodies killing ourselves like so it's good to have other elements to help with that absolutely and i think that's the thing with these conversations you know it's educating you know everyone listening and we're sharing these stories and you know i hope that we'll kind of band together and unify and start pushing as as a profession you know areas that are truly going to make a difference on the mental and physical you know, illnesses that take so many lives every year. Yeah. Yeah. I've lost quite a few friends from it. So I'd like to do everything I can to help prevent yeah. it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, speaking of helping then, so where yeah. can people find you and then where can they find your studio? Okay. So find me on Instagram is just misfit yogi. If you put that in, it'll probably come up. I'm um, trying to think of a fun name, kind of different. Um, it's kind of the route I'm going. Just I, a lot of times in my music, when I teach a class, my music will be kind of like elements of myself and i think people like me connect with like more punk rock things like that kind of make it more fun attainable it's not as you know as woo woo i'm a cloud blah blah blah. <laughs> i try to make it more fun um so yeah that's my instagram uh, on facebook it's just tyler gaddy and then um i teach on saturdays any saturday i'm not working i'm usually at mead gardens in winter park it's a great space um you're talking about the element of you know nature and things like that so it's great to be practicing outside, um, especially now that it's cooler. It's going to be a lot better. We usually have huge turnouts, which is great. Like um, usually 20 to 30 people come out. So um, a lot of my friends come out, other guys I work with. So it's always, it's cool. And then um, that's the only place I'm teaching now. I was doing apartment complexes, but that's it for now. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, Todd, I just want to say thank you. It's been uh very different perspective, you know, I mean, between yeah. the, the journey and the fire service itself, but finding yoga and it's very pertinent because I just talked about yeah. mindfulness helping me just a few weeks ago. But awesome. uh, I want to thank you for driving all this way and sharing the story today. Of course, man. I didn't touch on it. I also want to say thank you. Thanks for having me. And then um, I remember like when I was going through my stuff, like your podcast, like I remember driving home from work some mornings and just being like, I, you know, I don't know what else. And you'd have amazing people on there and i was just like it's crazy like hearing your voice now and like talking to you it's like holy shit like (laughs) i used to listen to you and yeah so thank you just a fellow firefighter yeah Uh, doing big things (laughs) 